Okay, well, the Knicks win, and we are here to discuss it. In episode 591 of the podcast, I'm your host, RJ. Let's get right into the show. No wasting time. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Welcome to the show, welcome to the podcast, welcome to episode 591 of B4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to another episode. So, the Knicks took down the Raptors last night, 136-130 in Toronto. They continue to, I guess, like flip the narrative when they play this team, because this used to be a tough matchup for them um, just last season, you know. For a few years, um, but they're I believe now. Hey, I want to say three zero. I, I believe they're three zero against the Raptors. God damn, that was a. <clears throat> My voice just cracked like three times within, I don't know, ten fucking seconds, and um, I just drank like a gallon of water before I started recording, so I wouldn't have this issue. Here we are. God damn. <clears throat> okay. I'm 28, folks. 136-130 in Toronto last night. Um, you know, obviously the Knicks went into this game with a few injuries. Um, the big one being Mitchell Robinson uh, getting ankle surgery on his left ankle. He's going to be out at least 10 weeks. They say 8 to 10, probably going to be more. Um, just every year with this kid, man. You love him. You got to appreciate him when he's on the floor. But the fact that he's never on the floor consistently is a gigantic problem that people might not be willing to discuss yet. But I have a feeling that if this stretch of games, you know, in particular from now until the end of the month, doesn't go the next way, people might have a different tune on Mitchell Robinson. And, um... I'm kind of getting there because I'm kind of tired of the, uh, you know, part-time player shtick. Um, you know, when his value is, is high again, when he's healthy, I have no problem making the move. It's just like, what's that move? I'm kind of getting over I'm kind of over it. Kind of over the injury shit. Every year, it's always a surgery. It's like three years in a row he's getting a surgery on something, the hand. Last year, like it's, 
he's going to be out for a, a long time. Um, so obviously we're going to discuss that in this show, the defensive drop-off that could come, the interior defense, the rebounding drop-off defensively, offensively, obviously, creating those second opportunities that he usually does. Jericho Sims is going to get some time to shine now. Um, he started. Isaiah Hartenstein will get extended minutes. Quickly missed last night's game with uh, knee inflammation. Day-to-day, we'll see where that goes. Deuce McBride stepped into his role. And then Jalen Brunson was questionable for a few hours heading into the night um, with his ankle. Obviously, he hurt his ankle, God, at the end of that game against Boston where he was playing in garbage time and Tibbs took heat for it, rightly so. But he ended up playing. I don't know how effective he was. You could tell the ankle bothered him during the game, especially as he played more minutes down the stretch. It definitely affected him defensively. He wasn't as aggressive offensively. Um... So the starting lineup for the Knicks last night was Brunson, Dante, RJ, Randall, and Sims. Yep. And it produced results. Um, Offensively, it did. Uh, I would say the best Knicks on the floor last night, um, Randall and then the bench unit. You know? I would say Randall, Grimes, Hart, and Iheart were all very exceptional. They were all very good. Um, so yeah, the first quarter comes and the Knicks out the gate. They're pretty poor, uh, defensive. Their interior defense was very bad. Tibbs calls an early timeout. Didn't change much post timeout, but eventually did. There was some terrible transition defense, of course. Um, but Randall was keeping the Knicks in the game and that was a theme throughout the night. He was working the mid post early in the first quarter. And the Knicks headed into the second, tied at 35 apiece. Deuce McBride starts off the second quarter with a three-pointer. Knocks down a three. Then Quentin Grimes gets hot. He's been getting hot in the second quarter lately. Man, and it was 66-60. The Knicks took the lead. So it was great to see some offense. Uh, Randall was aggressive early on in the third quarter. Continued to do his thing. But the Knicks weren't playing defense. They weren't rotating. They weren't rebounding. Again, bad turnovers leading it to terrible transition defense. Uh, Brunson gave you some scoring in the third quarter. And the Knicks leave the period up just 98-97 after that. But the fourth quarter comes and you get some big baskets from R.J. Barrett. He was huge, pivotal in the fourth quarter. Uh, Him and the bench just... Getting big baskets. I mean, Grimes knocking down threes. Josh Hart had an excellent game. Working in transition. You have the two egregiously long reviews by the officials in a row. That delayed the game a while. But when play resumed, Grimes and Hart continued making big baskets. Three-pointers from them. Transition finishes. And they got themselves a 10-point lead. Eventually, Randall ices the game in the mid-range. Got a little little iffy after that, but not really. And the Knicks would win 136-130. to 130. So we'll start with the negative. Because while I, I don't want to... This episode might have a negative tone to it. 
But in order for it not to, I want to start by getting the negative part out of the way. So I'm just a little concerned. Um, the defense. The defense, I hope they're not losing it. I hope it's not regression to the mean, and I hope this thing doesn't get worse now that they're without Mitch. But the defense has been playing very poor, to say the least, of late. You allow 130, no, you you allow 146 points to Milwaukee in regulation. You allow 133 points to Boston in regulation. And last night, to a terrible Toronto offense, you allow 136 points to them. So the Knicks, or 130 points to them. The Knicks scored 100. The Knicks, they scored, how about this? The New York Knicks have one of their better offensive performances in, in a few years, probably. Um, with 136 points, 61% shooting from the field, 59% from three in particular. They had 36 assists, which when you compare that to the amount of shots they made, that was almost a 70% assist rate. And they only win the game by six points. So, my gosh, that's that's just concerning to me. Um, is it like, you know, it seems like it's been a trade-off lately. The defense has been extra bad, but the offense has been extra good. They're kind of sacrificing defense for offense. Um, but, yeah, I, I worry about it because it's been trending downward. And now Mitchell Robinson's out. Now Mitchell Robinson's out. And you saw what the absence looked like in this game. You know, terrible interior defense, especially early on. They were getting ripped apart on the inside. Balls. Um, the transition defense, you know, just horrendous. You know, turnovers just leading to easy baskets in transition. It was extra frustrating because Toronto is a team that you want a force to slow down. Toronto, not because they're great in the full court, but Toronto's really pitiful in the half court. They can't shoot. They're an awful half court offense. So I was hoping the Knicks were, you know, going to slow the game down to force them into their sets in the half court. But they kept letting them get away with these transition opportunities. There was a lot of miscommunication defensively for the Knicks on switches. The first basket of the game for the Raptors, Brunson and Jericho miscommunicate on a switch. That led to an open lane. And there were a lot of times in the game where, you know, Brunson was switched onto a mismatch like OG Ananobi or Scotty Barnes, and it was ugly. Brunson's been very pathetic defensively of late. He had a good start to the, to the season on defense, really stepped it up, but... My God, has that tapered off and has that tapered off very rapidly. He was horrendous last night, and he's been horrendous, especially the last three nights. So I'm starting to think that like they're starting to target him. They're starting to hunt him. You can't hide him as much. I don't know if this is going to be a problem. You had stretches like this last year. I don't know if Tibbs is going to have to find a way to mix and match now with him. Is he going to be, is he going to be that type of player? I don't know. But it was very 
tough watching them last night. Um, other guys didn't play much great, uh, great, great defense either. As good as Randall was, he had some lapses. He always does, but the Knicks were bad in transition, semi-transition, a lot of miscommunicating. Defense not getting set. Even after makes. You know, that's concerning. The rebounding is what I'm scared about most without Mitchell Robinson. Jericho wasn't great on the defensive glass. The team wasn't great on the boards overall. Um, And again, this is a an aspect of the game that's been regressing of late too. They're allowing so many offensive rebounds. They're allowing so many second chance opportunities. And that was usually the Knicks. That's where the Knicks kill you. The Knicks are usually that team who's destroying you on the offensive glass. Now it seems like it's the opposite. Toronto had 17 offensive rebounds last night. They won second chance points 23 to 15. In the first half, it was disgusting. The amount of offensive rebounds they were getting. Now the Knicks do have some good rebounding uh, rebounders outside of Mitchell Robinson. They got plenty. You know, there was an article by Fred Katz I read today in the Athletic saying that the Knicks take Mitch away would still be ninth in rebounds if you take him away. But I just question the defense as a whole. You know, how's I how's Isaiah Hartenstein going to do? Is he still going to be able to be as... Because his whole thing is he hustles, he's physical, he's aggressive, and he's going to foul you. Is he going to be allowed to be that aggressive now without the depth? As a guy who fouls a lot, plays aggressively, how's that going to work with no Mitch? Does he tone it down more now, knowing the Knicks need him? Because I, you know, knowing this, knowing Tom Thibodeau and how he likes everything the way it is, and he wants his nine-man rotation, he knows his guys... I, I just don't see him, I, I don't see the Knicks going out and grabbing, you know, a power forward slash center, you know, off the chief. Like, I don't see that. I see them keeping it in-house. They're going to keep it in-house, and going tight-knit is, is the Tibbs way. Maybe if this becomes a big problem in the next couple of weeks, like as we enter the new year, during this gauntlet of a schedule we got coming up, if it becomes an issue, then maybe we can, maybe we see the Knicks do something. Maybe they go out and they, they grab, you know, a Kelly Olenek off the cheap. Someone, you know, he's a big who can stretch the floor. Um, Taj Gibson, that's been a name that's been floating around. Obviously, he's a Thibodeau favorite. Um, in the article I was reading by Fred Katz, he mentioned Taj and PJ Tucker, which is a name I actually very much like because, uh, you know, he does fit the Nick culture very well. He's a tough, gritty player who kind of has that lunch pill mentality. Maybe that could help, but I don't see anything happening right now. Um, I worry about, you know, we give up a lot of three-point looks. Part of that is scheme, but I feel like we've been very slow closing out. I feel like the Knicks have been vulnerable on the weak side regarding their three-point defense. Cheating middle a lot, and then they make that kick, and it bites us. So I would like to see Tom Thibodeau mix up the coverage a little more 
less dropping, more switching the pick and roll. You know, we know Jericho Sims is a very switchable big on the perimeter. I would like to see that more. Tibbs, it's it's very rare where Tom Thibodeau is going to switch his bigs. He'll switch one to four, but you not you you don't see him switch his fives. Jericho's pretty switchable. Um, I'm interested to see if he sticks with the drop coverage this often without Mitchell Robinson's length and mobility. Because that's the main reason this whole drop defense on pick and roll works. So maybe we do see the Knicks blitz more, trap, hedge, switch, play straight out. Like maybe they mix up their coverages a little more. Maybe they add in a zone defense too. You know, when you're playing teams who aren't great shooting the ball, like Toronto, teams who aren't great in the half court, we we rarely run zone, man. We haven't ran zone. Like, if there's, like, a, a website, I don't know if it's on cleaning the glass. Like, I got to believe the Knicks run zone, like, less than 5% of the time. And that's probably been a consistent number every year with Tibbs. So, I wonder, I wonder how the offensive unit, you know, the starting lineup's been very good for most of the year defensively. Mitch goes down, and it happens to be at the same time where you're losing Grimes to the second unit. So, I wonder at some point, maybe Grimes with the second unit just finding his footing again, then they put him back in there because they do need his defense. Dante's a good off-ball defensive player, but he's not the same point of attack defender as Grimes. That's what makes this all tricky. The roster's pretty clunky. You got some guys who do this well, but they don't do that well, and you have to find a way to mix and match and stagger. But it makes it tricky because you know the offense looks very good right now, and it's the reason they won last night. The offense found it. As bad as the defense was, we can transition into something more positive. The offense has been very good. And we'll talk about it when we return from break here on episode 591 of the podcast, BD4. Stay with us. Be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. Um, yeah, lately this offense has been getting better and better. Um, again, Milwaukee and Boston, they scored points against them, right? And the Knicks have actually gone six consecutive games with at least 115 points. They've gone three straight with at least 120. Technically, it could have been four. They have 119 Four games back. But, um, yeah, they, they, they are scoring the ball. Three-point shooting, at this point, it seems to be legit. Like, I, I was concerned about it heading into the season because they weren't great there last year. They haven't been recent years. We're at a point where, what are we, 21, 22 games in? They're, you know, 40% very often. My gosh. Last night, they were almost 60%. So, the Knicks can shoot. 
that's a positive. That's a paramount aspect of the game today. You got to be able to knock down threes. And the Knicks created good looks last night and they knocked them down. So that's a positive. Guys are shooting the ball to the high clip, and that's with Randall not shooting threes very well yet. But you're getting progression from Brunson from three. Nice to see him go three for five last night after the 0 for 10 stretch. Quentin Grimes is finding his rhythm. You know he would have hit. He was bound to, to knock down threes eventually. Dante's been knocking down his threes. He was expected to do that. It's part of the reason they got him. Quickly, hopefully he returns soon. Pretty good three-point shooter. Has done that. That's what that's what's making me confident is, you know, a lot of the guys that are knocking down threes are are knocking them down. And then you've got your bonuses like Brunson developing into a top three-point shooter in the game. You know, R.J. Barrett hanging around still, you know, from the arc. So the offense is finding it. Uh, Josh Hart went three for three last night from three. He seems to be 100% back. He has completely found his rhythm. He's got the confidence back, the swagger, that arrogance. You know what I mean? He's got an attitude when he plays, and I love that. That's the heart we want. He's confident again. He's taking open three-point looks. He's attacking closeouts in the half court, finishing at the basket. Of course, he's playing the full court game, right? Every time he checks into the game, he's picking up, he's, you know, the Knicks pick up the pace. He's getting that second unit running, rebounding the ball, hunting those boards. His passing has been exceptional. His point of attack defense is there. He's playing in the passing lanes as well. Hart's been great. Great game for him last night. Quentin Grimes, again, we're going to touch on him separately. Switches to the second unit. He's helping the offense now. Randall's been on a run. We'll also touch on him separately. Um, And how about, man, how about Isaiah Hartenstein? You know, how about Isaiah Hartenstein? The Knicks, they should consider starting iHeart or at least playing him with the starters more because he brings two things that you don't get with Mitchell Robinson at the five or Jericho Sims for that matter at the five. And what iHeart brings is spacing and ball movement. The spacing and ball movement is so much different in the first unit with iHeart out there. And I know he's probably not going to start games because Tibbs likes sticking with his routines. Right, Jericho was the one who got the extended run at, at center and power forward last year when Mitch went down. Um, you know, that's why, you know, you'll see a guy like quickly not start even when guys go down at guard. He likes guys knowing their roles and staying in that role. Right? That's why we call him stubborn, lack of you know, not creative, right? He gets all the shit from that. But that's what's helped the Knicks is Guys know their roles because Tibbs is quote-unquote stubborn, uh, not creative, all that. But, you know, unlike Mitchell Robinson, and obviously Mitch is great, but unlike with Mitch, the Knicks, they can run offense through iHeart, as they were doing last night. 
They were using him as a distributor, finding cutters from the top. He could do that with the outlet passes too in the full court, find guys running the floor. Running through offense, you know, running through iHeart um, as a roller, as a handoff hub in DHO. You can just, you watch the game and you, you can see the better floor spacing with him out there versus Mitchell Robinson. Now, do you sacrifice defense? Yeah, you do. But the offense might see an uptick. The offense is now top 10. And the defense has, you know, while the offense has risen to top 10, the defense has sunken down to top 10, uh, to 10. But, yeah, man. Like, that's why I'm not, like, as concerned regarding Hartenstein. You know what I mean? Like, Hartenstein's the best backup five in the league. So he's still out there. It's just that instead of Hartenstein and Mitch, it's not going to be Hartenstein and Jericho Sims. Because I trust Ihar, man. I, 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 he's been great. You know, this is a guy who, yeah, I, I believe he's the best backup big in basketball. How do you tell something like that? Well, the way I do it is I look at other teams and I go, could Isaiah Hartenstein start for that team? And there are quite a few teams who you could say yes to regarding that. He's got a lot of a lot of he's got good chemistry with a lot of guys. Right? You saw him last night operating in pick and roll with Brunson first quarter, fourth quarter, operating in the short roll with him off of traps. There was actually an instance in the fourth quarter where Brunson ignored iHeart off of a blitz uh, and he ended up turning over and then the two of them talk it over during the review and the next time down, you saw Brunson hit iHeart in the short roll. So I'm wondering if you see Brunson hit the roll more in pick and roll now that he's with more of a skillsy, if that's a word, big man on the roll. Iheart can actually handle the ball a little bit better than a Mitchell Robinson can. Uh, you know, Brunson barely feeds the roller in pick and roll when it's Mitch or Jericho. Usually he just hits the weak side. Maybe that changes now. So, yeah, Iheart plays very good with Jalen Brunson. He plays very good with Dante. He plays very good with Quinton Grimes. They were running some two-man actions last night. Pick and roll, give and go. He even found Deuce McBride. Like on that, you know, Deuce kind of fake cuts in, stops at the three-point line. Iheart hits him, he knocks it down. That was early in the game. Um, so, yeah, you're going to lose some rim protection. Mitch's style is the Knicks' identity. That's concerning. You don't have that. You don't have the fast hands in the point of attack where he creates turnovers, Mitch. You're going to lose some rebounding. And Iheart... You know, he's not the greatest finisher. He misses a lot of bunnies. Last night was rough in that aspect. But I am, at the same time, very curious to see the difference offensively that this can make for the starting unit as a whole. Because spacing and ball movement has been desperately needed from the starting five. Does this help? You know? Simply just him, like where he plays on the floor versus where Mitchell Robinson plays 
that spaces the floor so much more. So can you get away with this against teams coming up against like uh, to play us like, you know, Milwaukee's going to see us twice more this month. <laughs> I don't know. Can you get away with it? I don't, I don't think you might lose some games against tough competition again, but I don't, I don't need a hot streak. I just need good ball. I need winning. Just win. Um, and you know, shout out to Jericho Sims too. He wasn't terrible. He, he, you know, he does some good things. Offensively, he can help free up space with his screening, right? As a nice handoff option up top. And, uh, you know, when he's screening in DHO, he does flash some Mitchell Robinson traits here and there, but to a, a much lesser degree. You know, he's a, he's a so-so third string big, big. He's a so-so third string big with great leaping ability. Which, you know, I, I would like to see Jericho Sims used off the pick and roll more. You know, if Brunson's willing to pass, which kind of segues into my next point. We're going to get a little more negative for a second. Because, um, you know, there's a little bit of a concern with me. Um, when it comes to the offense, too, believe it or not. Like, I not not more the starting lineup. Like, I heart great. But other like there's there's a trend developing, is what I'm trying to say here. And it seems like whichever new guy comes to play with the starting unit, and remember, I heart didn't start last night, by the way. Whichever guy comes to play with the starting unit. Any off-ball player that plays with the starting unit, they reduce when they play with the starting unit. Obviously, Mitchell Robinson has had issues getting reps in before. You know that's been a thing. Quentin Grimes, you know he, that was the whole. It's been the thing lately. He goes to the bench, and he finds it right now. Dante Divincenzo was. Doing a nice job with the second unit. Recently, he's been the one to swap out for Grimes. Dante goes to the starting five. You're not seeing much from him right now. All of a sudden, Dante DiVincenzo. The last two games. Not much. Right? Six points, then two points last night. He only took two shots last night. That didn't. He didn't take a shot until the second half. So maybe his role changes. Maybe this is where you see him use his facilitating that he flashed a little more in Golden State. He did have five assists last night. He was moving the ball to open shooters and cutters a little bit. But, yeah. It just seems like all these, the every off-ball player gets minimized when they play with the starting unit. And it's, you know, let's be honest, the elephant in the room, it's it's Brunson, Randall, and RJ. That's the trio that might not ever fully work. You know what I mean? Like, when it comes down to it, can that win you playoff rounds, multiple playoff rounds? The Nick offense was shut down in the postseason last year. It's just those three guys, there's a ton of on-ball reps 
There's not a ton of passing. None of them are great passers. Randall's a, a great passer for his position. Brunson's an underwhelming passer for his position. RJ's had his ups and downs. Tunnel vision. We're just, the Knicks are, they're super reliant on them three. That's that's a Thibodeau offense, right? Your stars are going to ISO. They're going to pick and roll. There's just not always a flow. Can get a little clunky. There's not much passing. You know, the bench had 14 assists to three turnovers last night. Starters, 22 to 12 turnovers. And remember, the, the bench is a four-man unit. So it just it just feels like one of those three guys have to be off of the floor for the other two to make it work. You know, RJ with the bench seems to be the best ingredient for offense. But you can only stagger so much. And you got the, the defensive regression that you're seeing from Jalen Brunson right now. Pair that with Randall's not really been great defensively. So that's the one concern right now. Guys come to the starting unit. They lose it. But I suppose at the end of the day, they're going to get you offense in the regular season, and that's where we are right now. So the offense is going to have to step up because the defense will probably take a step back. And, and that can work in the regular season. But again, you got elite teams coming up. And we're going to need guys on their game. And we're going to need players like Julius Randle to play like he did last night. Wow. That was fun. Julius gets a game ball. Bing bang. Yeah, man, he was great. Julius Randle last night, 34 points, 8 boards, 5 assists. Shot 67% from the field. 33% from 3, 71% of the line. And this was in 35 minutes against the Raptors. That should say at Toronto. Um. Yeah, man. Continues to play well, and it was big last night because with Brunson not as effective lately, Randall's been stepping up. Um, you know, it seems like defenses have stopped doubling. They stop. They've stopped sending help, and he's just abusing them in single coverage. He devastated the Raptors in isolation last night, and he continues to. There was very minimal double teaming. He and he was taking full advantage of it, just bullying OG Ananobi, bullying Scotty Barnes. How about the, the the technical he got? Wow, where he bullies the hell out of Barnes. This was like late in the third quarter. He bullies him in the post, dunks the crap out of the ball, slaps the backboard, gets the tech, and then in between the whistles, he you know he's walking around the court. Pumped up, looking at the crowd, gesturing, getting them riled up. Wow, that was such an awesome moment. It reminded me of like the anti-thumbs-down moment against Dallas two years ago. That was a good feeling to have. No, the Knicks weren't away last night. The Knicks were at the Garden. Why didn't I say that? I feel like I've said, yeah, I've said that like five times already that the Knicks were in Toronto. They were home last night. Yeah, they were home. And you know, Randall was pumping up the Garden, man. It was awesome to see stuff like that. That's what you love seeing from Julius, man. So, he looks great. 
And he kills Toronto, by the way. He kills them. Makes perfect sense because Toronto, while they may have length, they've got zero strength. There's no mass, so they can't keep up with Randall's true size. They can't keep up with that. Shoulder to the chest, driving, turn around to the left shoulder, turn around to the right shoulder. That little post fade he likes going to. Killing you there. Killing you. His passing continues to stand out. It was really good last night. I don't care what the numbers say. The passing was was very good. He made his passes when Toronto closed out on him. And he was hitting open guys. Just moving the ball. His off-ball movement was also good. That you know We saw more of that. That continues to be a trend literally time and time again. We say it. He's cutting more. He's relocating a little bit more. So Randall had an excellent game last night. You got to give the guy credit. He came through. 34 points, only 21 shots needed. Gets his fifth game ball of the season. Julius Randall does. Um, And we'll go to the bench. You know, we, we were talking about him a little bit. Let's go to the bench. Bing bang. Quentin Grimes, folks. 19 points last night. Three rebounds and assist. Shot 64%, 71% from three, five out of seven. It was a plus 10 in 27 minutes. Nice to see. He's finally being emphasized on. You know? Part of that is Thibodeau playing him with a different unit. And I want to believe that part of it is also maybe Thibodeau and the the Knicks hearing him out a little bit after those comments to the press conference a week or so ago. So maybe more Knicks should do something like this. You know, maybe we should see this more often because we keep seeing this trend. But yeah, playing him with the second unit was genius. I I was advocating for it for a bit. There's just, you know, they're more willing passers, as we were saying. They always look for him off cuts, heart, you know, and they play a lot faster. So they're going to find him in transition a lot too. He never really got transition looks when he plays with the first unit because they always like to slow it down, play half court ISO ball. But now he's with the bench. He's away from Brunson. He's away from Randall. He's touching the ball a lot more. He's getting his reps. And it's also about how he gets the ball where on the floor he gets it, the way he gets it. Think about just the last two games alone. How different it's already looked with, you know, how they're putting him through all these actions. They're not just, you know, he's not playing that Obi Toppin role that, I believe I called him Kevin Knox in terms of the role he was playing the other day where he's just out there as as a floor spacer hidden in the corner. No. These last two nights, they've been putting him in everything. Pick and roll. Empty side pick and roll with iHeart last night. Floppy actions. Stagger screens. Pin downs. He's coming off movement. Cuts to the basket. The transition looks. He's slipping screens. He's making dump off passes. It's nice to see, man. And now he's getting, you know, the Knicks are getting a good look at Grimes for a little bit now, maybe, as a sixth man. Right, depending on how long Emmanuel quickly's out with a knee issue. 
It's obviously going to be important, though, if the Knicks decide to move quickly at the deadline to a team looking for a rental point guard to get a look at Grimes right now, pay extra attention to how he's performing in that sixth-man role off the bench. Um, seeing more ball handling, that's nice to see. I'll keep reminding people he used to be a point guard at college at Houston. So, yeah, the, 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 the move, the motion, whatever you want to call it, to the bench has been the best thing to happen to him, I believe. And again, I'm glad I was open to it and not one of those stubborn people who just wanted to keep him there and let him figure it out. No, it's okay to change things. And I'm glad Tibbs realized that too because, you know, he's not always like that. Um, and Tibbs even played Grimes over R.J. Barrett in some meaningful fourth quarter minutes last night. Right, that lineup of Brunson, Grimes, Hart, uh, I Hart, and Randall that worked. Now RJ eventually subbed back in late for Grimes, who you know who was rolling. So I was a little confused by that, but RJ also didn't have a bad fourth quarter himself. He was, you know, he was good. Finished with twenty seven points, big fourth quarter. So I get it, but Grimes looks good. Um. And we're going to need everything we can get because we've got a tough, tough schedule ahead. And we'll talk about it when we return from our break. Stay with us here on BD4, episode 591 of the podcast. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook. And we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. All right, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. So last but not least, before we wrap this up with our trivia, we got a tough schedule coming up now, man. Um, it, it gets tough again. You know, the West Coast trip, the first West Coast trip, that begins tomorrow. So as I'm recording, it's uh, Tuesday night, December 12th. Wednesday the 13th, which is probably when this episode comes out in the morning of Wednesday the 13th, the Knicks start up a five-game West Coast trip, all road games on the West Coast, beginning in Utah tomorrow. So they have to beat them. That's a bad team. you got to beat bad teams. They've been beating bad teams all year. So the teams they've been able to beat. Uh, but after that, after Utah, you've got, I think, 10 consecutive games to close the month versus teams above 500. Seven of them coming on the road. So, again, time and time again, the Knicks have been failing that test this year. They they haven't beaten the Bucks yet. They haven't beaten the Celtics yet. They've lost to some other top competition. 
But those two teams at the top of the conference are big. The Knicks have another opportunity to defeat some top teams here. To show themselves capable of coming up big. You know, you want to buy me back in a little bit? You want me thinking that maybe this team is closer to a 4 or 5 seed than a 6, 7, you know, play-in team? Borderline playoff play-in team? Then show me. Because right now I'm still living at 45 wins, 6 seed, maybe play-in. So I need I need proof. You got to show me. This is a stretch where you can. Utah, Phoenix, Clippers, Lakers, the Nets, the Bucks, twice, twice in a row, 23rd and the 25th, Christmas Day, OKC, Orlando, Indiana. That's the remainder of 2023. So I don't like playing this game. Well, I do. <laughs> um, but like ideally, ideally to sell me, right? And to really, to really get me to feel like this team, okay, this team's got that 2022-2023 vibe again. To get me there, and don't give me the injury shit because every team deals with this, I need, on that stretch, a 6-4 and four record. That's tough. But if you want to show me you're tough, that's what I need from you. Beat Utah. Beat Brooklyn, beat Orlando, beat Indiana, beat OKC. That's five right there. Then give me one win, one win against the Suns, the Clippers, the the Bucks. Maybe I'll be content. Maybe. I would like a couple against those teams, though. You go six and four. I would like a couple to be against those top teams. You enter the new year at 19 and 13, that mean, which is, you know, on pace to be exactly where they were last year, 47, 48 wins. I'll take it. Yeah, so show me you can beat these teams. Beat the bad teams, but I need a couple wins at this point. I need a couple wins against tough, tough competition, man. You know? So let's see what we can do. With that said, we'll head to our final break of the show here. Come back and wrap this thing up with our trivia, and that'll be that. Stay with us. Be right back here on BD4. I'm your host, RJ. Be back in a few seconds. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Right. Welcome to the final portion of the show here on BD4, episode uh, episode 591 
of the podcast. Uh, new Yankees episode coming out pretty soon, by the way. We're going to record it um, yeah, sometime this week, I'd say. Yeah, like, we'll have it out by the weekend, I'll say that. Um, here's your question. Here's your trivia question for 591. Two players are tied for the most three-pointers ever made. Oh, let me wait for the question to come back again. Um, let me start. The, let me reset this. Two players are tied for the most three-pointers ever made in a game for the Knicks. Who are they? How many? So, two players are tied for the most three-pointers ever made in a game for the Knicks. Who are they? How many? One final time. Two players are tied for the most three-pointers ever made in a game for the Knicks. Who are they? How many? All right, let me know the answer wherever you can reach me. If you get the answer correct, I'll give you a shout-out in the next show. But that's it, fellas. I appreciate you all tuning in. Episode 591 of the podcast. Thanks for stopping by and listening to BD4. Maybe you're watching BD4. But regardless, BD4. BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series. Knicks every game. MMA on occasion. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, you can follow our page on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. The links are in the description to these episodes. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so on Venmo. Link is also in the description. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where the video edit of this podcast is up. It's also up on Spotify. And if you want to listen to the show, listen to us on Apple Podcasts. And give us a five-star rating and review if you'd like to. Share this with your friends. Download these episodes. And do all that fun stuff that helps out this podcast. Because it'll help us improve. So with that said, I appreciate you all tuning in one last time. And I'll see you in 592, uh, which could be our next Yankees episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, that's it for this one. Episode 591 is in the books. I'm your host, RJ. I'll see you then. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.